two boys on, they shared a room, brothers, and it was Christmas Eve, and they were going to say their nightly prayers, and one of them said, Lord, I want a new bicycle, and Lord, I want a new video game, and the other one said, why are you yelling? God is not deaf. He says, yeah, but Grandma is. So he was trying to actively uh, get an answer to his prayer, wasn't he? This morning I'd like to take, uh, take some time and talk to us about, uh, explore nine different times that Jesus prayed. Now certainly in the scripture, Jesus prayed many more than nine times, but he modeled his prayer life for us. We don't always know the contents of these prayers. In fact, most of these that I'm going to look at today, we don't know the contents of them. But we can look at when he prayed, and there, there are lessons to be learned from these nine times that Jesus prayed, looking at when he prayed, at what points in his life. The first one is in Luke chapter 3, and in verse 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also, being baptized and praying, that heaven was open. This is one of the details revealed to us about Jesus' baptism in, in Luke's account. In Matthew and Mark's account, both of them talk about him immediately coming up out of the water. But only Luke's account says that he was praying. The implication here, the indication here, is that Jesus was praying as, while he was still wet, right? While he had just come up out of the water. He's praying. And it's at that time that the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and the voice of God the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? It's an amazing moment in history. And at that point, Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying during his baptism right after. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there is that it's at our baptism when we enter into Christ that we first have access to God through prayer. You know, it's indicated in 1 Peter 3, 12. It talks about the fact that God's ears are open to the righteous, but it also says the opposite. It says His ears are closed to those who do evil. We gain access to the Father by being righteous, and we become righteous when we enter into the blood of Christ, when we are covered by the blood. It's at that point where James 5.16 talks about the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. In order to gain audience with God, now that's not to say that he does not hear everyone's prayers. He hears everything. He knows all things, right? But he only gives audience to the prayers of the righteous. He only takes into account the prayers of the righteous. And so we have to be in that righteous state. And it's at our baptism that we gain access to that. In John 15 and verse 7, talks about this as well. It says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall have what you will and it shall be done Unto you. If we're abiding in Christ, then God gives audience to our prayer and He will provide for us what we need, what we ask for. 
That isn't to say if you ask for a new Ferrari that you're going to get a new Ferrari, right? I, I really like those cars. I think they're really nice. But I've never prayed for one because I don't think it would be good for me. And I don't think that God would grant that request because God knows it's not good for me, right? And so if his words are in me and he's living in me in that way, I'm going to ask for things that are in accordance to his will. And when I do, he will provide them. Uh, And I think, too, at people's baptisms, we often give them advice. I always give people the advice that get involved, get, get some way that you are needed at church service every time, that somebody's counting on you. I give that piece of advice because that that helped me. When I became a Christian, I got involved, and then when I wake up, maybe I don't feel real well, right? Maybe it'd be easy on a day like today when it's kind of nasty out there, and I don't really feel well. My back kind of hurts. I think I'll just stay in. Oh, well, they're counting on me to do something. Gives you that extra push to, to come to services and do what people are counting on you for. Well, another piece of advice we give when people are baptized, we say, first, every day let God talk to you through the Scriptures. Read your Bible every day. And that will help you in in a number of ways. But it helps you write the words of God on your heart. And what's in your heart will come out of your mouth and come out in your actions. So we say, let God talk to you every day through His Word. And then we say, talk to God every day. Through prayer. God wants that personal relationship with us. He wants us to pray to Him and have that relationship with Him. He He knows what we need. He knows what's in our heart. He knows things better than we do. But He wants that relationship with us. He wants our hearts. And so Jesus prayed at His baptism. A second time that Jesus prayed was after a surge in His Popularity. If you're in Luke 3, turn over a page to Luke chapter 5. And starting in verse 12, it says, It came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand, and he touched him, saying, I will be, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus has this time when he has healed a man. He says, don't, don't tell anybody, go to the priest and, and offer what Moses commanded you. I don't think that guy did that. I think he told everybody he knew that Jesus healed me. And the fame of him spread about, and multitudes come to him to be healed. He's, he's becoming famous, right? But Jesus was born purposely into humble circumstances. And we see in the parable, when he's talking about the prayer of the Pharisee and the prayer of the penitent publican, the Pharisee's proud when he gives his prayer. But the publican comes before God knowing that he's a sinner. He comes humbly before God. Prayer and pride do not mix, right? Whose prayer in that story was heard and answered? It was the publican's prayer. 
Even so, when accolades come our way, when blessings come our way, when people are building us up and saying how great we are, how great a job you did, and, and we tend to get a little bit prideful. We want people to like us, right? We want people to say you did a good job. It's easy to get prideful, and it's at that time where we need to go to God humbly in prayer. When we pray, we need to remain humble, realizing that we are dependent upon the one who is independent. We talk about the, the Declaration of Independence in this country, right? I love American history. I love the Declaration of Independence. I think it's an amazing document. And we're declaring our independence from England at that time. But who are we relying on throughout that document? We're relying on the one who is truly independent. We're relying on God. And the same is true of blessings. Blessings flow from God. We have a tendency to be thankful for blessings, right? But we don't always thank the blesser. We don't always thank the one who has blessed us. And in fact, throughout history, you look at people worshiping idols, worshiping the creation rather than the creator, right? I don't think many of us are are tempted to worship idols of stone or wood. Maybe, maybe that's a, a problem for you. But we are tempted to worship our cars and our our entertainment and, and the things we like to do. We're tempted to worship those things instead of God who has provided all blessings for us. And so it's, it's telling that Jesus, when his popularity surged, that he goes off by himself and humbly goes to God in prayer. A third time that Jesus prayed was after one of his encounters with the Pharisees. We look at Luke chapter 6, another page over. And we'll just read verses 11 and 12, but you're looking at this whole passage here in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 2, up to this point, and the Pharisees are just trying to trap him, and they're being mean to him. Uh, And in verse 11, it says, and they were filled with madness and communed one another what they might do to Jesus, right? They're, They're plotting against him. He is having to face enemies that are not only mean to him, They are literally plotting ways to arrest him, ways to kill him. They succeed. And then even after his death, they malign his character, right? And what does he do in verse 12? It came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. We're going to encounter our own enemies in life. We're going to encounter people who are not always nice to us. And instead of responding in such a way as to negatively respond, we need to be like Jesus. It can be hard. He talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and following. He talks about how we're to pray for our enemies, right? We're not just to love those that love us. We're to love our enemies. That's a difficult commandment to follow. It's tough to love our enemies. It's tough to love those who are against us. It's so tough that Jesus, when he was confronted with the same thing, he went out all night and prayed about it. When he was facing it on the cross, he prayed for God to forgive those that were crucifying him. And we'll talk about that again in a few minutes. And so, when we encounter enemies, it's a time where we need to have the right attitude towards them and towards God. 
and go to God in prayer. A fourth time that Jesus prayed was before he had to make difficult decisions. That's the same scripture, the same prayer that we just read about in verse 12 of Luke chapter 6, where he's just faced all these enemies. He goes off all night in prayer to God by himself. And then after that prayer, he's making difficult decisions. He is choosing the 12 apostles. He is calling them out to this work. And he he prayed all night long before he made that selection. I think it's important for us to consider and to think in our life, if we're putting God first, if we're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, right? If we're loving God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, then when we're making difficult decisions in our life, life-changing kinds of decisions, are we going to God in prayer? Are we considering the spiritual impact Of those decisions? Are we reading scripture and letting God talk to us and and seeking for wisdom and guidance in God's word about those things? If, If we're truly putting God first in our life, then before we decide on marriage, before we decide on a job or moving or any major thing in our life, we will go to God in prayer. We will take God's thoughts from his word into account as we make those decisions. And then those decisions will have a better impact on our life, on our family's life, and on those around us. It should be natural for us to talk to God whenever we face difficult decisions. The fifth time that Jesus prayed was after a long day's Work. Look at Luke chapter 9. And we're looking at verse, verses 12 through 18. And it says, And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge, and give victuals, for we are here in a desert place. They said unto them, Give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fish, except we should go and buy meat for all these people. For they were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. There's an extra prayer, by the way. That's a bonus prayer. So it's the tenth time Jesus prayed. This is a two for one. He prays before meals, but we're not covering that one. It says, uh, And they did eat, and were all filled, and there was taken up fragments that remained to them, twelve baskets. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say people that I am? Jesus prayed after a long day's work. He had been preaching and teaching. He was out in a desert place. There were thousands of people listening to him, following him. He had been working hard. And I find it interesting that it's at this time, after this great event, he he withdraws himself and goes and prays. You know, it's at this time, around this time, where they wanted to take him and make him, forcibly make him a king, right? But he humbly withdraws alone 
and praise. I also think it's important to note in Mark chapter 1, in verse 35, it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Jesus purposed time. He set aside time. He made special effort to make time to start his day in prayer to God. He got up before daybreak. This is a great while before daybreak. And he goes off to a solitary place. He, he finds a place and a time where he's not going to be interrupted or bothered. And he is going to go and start his day in prayer. And then in the end of the day, look at Matthew 14 and verse 23. Says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Right? He starts his day with prayer, setting aside time for God, getting up early just to do that. And then after a long day's work, he withdraws and he finds time to go to God in prayer. There's a great lesson for me in this. I, I struggle with this too. I struggle in my prayer life to to find the time to really go to God in prayer, to make time to do this morning and evening, right? And I wonder how many of us invest so much of ourselves in our day and the efforts that we're making and then just say, well, we're really just too tired for prayer. I'm too tired to get up early and, and pray. Uh, I know that I've, I've done that. I'm guilty as charged there. But it... it it's important to learn the lesson from Jesus. That's how he hemmed in his day. If we want to keep our days from unraveling, then we'll hem them in with prayer, as Jesus did in the morning and in the evening. A sixth way, or a sixth time that Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed when he was burdened. We look at Luke chapter 9. And verse 29 says, And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. We're at the transfiguration. Well, what was he doing as he began the transfiguration? He was praying. As he was praying, his garments and his countenance changed, right? What was he doing as he was praying? He was burdened. When Moses and Elijah come to him at the transfiguration, what do they talk to him about? How's the weather? No. He's facing the crucifixion. That's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about Golgotha. He's thinking about the massive weight that he's about to take on his back. And I don't mean just the cross. The weight of sin that's going to bear down on him. He's thinking about that. That is on his heart. And as, as that's happening, he's praying to the Father. And God sends him, Moses and Elijah, to talk to him, to comfort him, to lift him up. That's what was weighing on Jesus. Sometimes our, our hearts are heavy. Sometimes we're going through difficult things. And it's at those times we're instructed to worry about nothing but pray to God. Look at you know Philippians 4, 6, and 7 talks about that. We're not to worry. 
We're to look towards God. There's turbulent things happening in our world. There's difficult things happening in our world, right? All the time. Not just Ukraine and Russia, but all the time. There are bad things happening in the world. But we're not to worry about those things. It doesn't mean we can't be concerned with them. We can't pay attention to them. But we're not to let that dominate our lives and cause us great anxiety because God is going to take care of us. And we are going to be okay in the end, even if we die, right? Revelation 2.10, faithful unto death. That means even if you have to die. It doesn't mean just until death. It means even if you have to die, be faithful, right? And we're assured a home in heaven. So Jesus prayed when he was concerned and when he was heavily burdened with what he was going to have to face. This next one is, uh, really hits home with me. Look at Luke 22. The seventh time that we're looking at when Jesus prayed. We're going to look at verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted... Strengthen thy brethren. Jesus prayed when he anticipated disappointment. When he knew already that Peter was going to deny him, he prayed for Peter. That Peter would be okay. That he would convert back and that he would strengthen the others around him because he knew Peter was a strong person. right? So, we go just a few verses down to verse 61. It says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crows, Thou shalt deny me thrice. I, I always think about this verse and think about that look that Jesus gave to Peter and what that look must have been like. Peter has just denied him. He's been following to find out what's going to happen to Jesus. So many things have happened. He's cut off the ear of Malchus, and Jesus has restored it. Jesus has allowed himself to be taken prisoner. He's going through these trials. Peter is following, but he's at a distance, and he's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's accused of being one of Jesus' followers, and he denies it. And he even curses and denies it, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not one of them. I don't know this man, right? And Jesus is close enough to know and to turn and look at him. How disappointed do you think Peter was in himself when Jesus turned and looked at him right there? It says he went out and wept, right? Imagine so. He loved Jesus. And he knew that Jesus had predicted this is exactly what happened. How disappointed do you think Jesus was in one of his dearest friends? betraying him in such a way, right? Disowning him, not confessing Christ, right? But of course, Peter comes back in the end. Later, before even the high priest, they say, you're going to stop teaching Jesus. And he says, we can't but help teach Jesus. You can't stop us. So later he gets very bold. But first, he goes through this. Jesus anticipated that. And anticipating that very moment, has gone to God in prayer for Peter. 
Have you ever anticipated a difficult discussion or meeting or time of heartbreak? If so, go to God in prayer for courage, for perseverance, for strength to rise above and come through those setbacks in life. Jesus anticipated disappointment. He went to God in prayer. Eight, Jesus prayed when his heart was broken. We look at Luke 22, verses 39 through 46. It's such a moving passage. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was in that place, he said to them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven and strengthened him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as if it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. He said to them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus' heart was broken. He's praying so fervently that it, it describes his sweat as being like drops of blood, right? He, he knows the ordeal he's going to have to endure. God even sends an angel to comfort him and to, to lift him up and strengthen him. But his friends, who he has encouraged to pray, they fall asleep, right? For sorrow and for weariness, it seems. And he encourages them to wake up and pray, right? Have you ever felt such a time of despair that it felt like your heart was ripping in two? Right? Difficult times in our lives, right? That's when we go to God in prayer. God has provided comfort through His Word. There are psalms to cover almost all of man's heartaches. Uh, I've come to dearly love the psalms over, over my life because they build you up, because they're, they're the expressions of, of love to God and God's love for us, even in the midst of despair. And the ninth and final time that we will talk today about a time that Jesus prayed was when he was dying. Of the seven times Jesus speaks from the cross, at least two of them are prayers, right? We look at at Luke 23, and in verse 34... He says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. And then we look down a little bit further, same chapter in verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Of the seven times he speaks from the cross, two of them are prayers to the Father. His first involves a request for others. Father, forgive them. That's the first time he breaks his silence from the cross, and he's asking for forgiveness for others. Have you ever thought to, uh, it's just a a side thought, but it's one that bears meditation on. Could Jesus have, have forgiven those people? He forgives the the paralytic man, right? Your sins are forgiven. He is about to forgive the sins of one of the thieves on the cross. 
But here Jesus asks for God to forgive these people. Why is that? Well, because God is hurting too. They are sinning against God. And he's, he's asking God to forgive them because the pain of the parent in this case is as great or greater than the pain of the son, right? If you've had children and they, they break their arm, wouldn't you put yourself in the place of your child to relieve their pain? Sometimes the heartache is harder than the, than the arm break, right? And so here, Jesus reaches out to God and says, forgive them. I just find that to be interesting. He's still thinking about others, even while those very people are tormenting him and killing him. And his last request was for himself. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. In addition, he quotes Psalm 22. He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which could also be a prayer. He's calling out to God, right? In the last hours of his life, while he's going through such a difficult ordeal, Jesus' last times that he speaks are our prayer to God the Father. He, did, he does what he so often did in life. Sometimes medical tests do not bring us good results. Sometimes we face the death of friends or loved ones. Sometimes we have the memory of someone who's been close to us and it, it haunts us in many ways. We're, we're saddened by it. And sooner or later, we're going to face our own imminent death. And it's at those times we need to turn to God. We need to make sure we have a right relationship with God in order to have that blessing of prayer. There are so many spiritual blessings found in Christ. One of them, of course, is salvation. But another is that avenue of prayer. That is a great spiritual blessing found in Christ. This morning, if you are not in Christ... Take into consideration that you do not have those spiritual blessings. You do not have salvation and you do not have the avenue of prayer. That's something that that people don't often think about or realize, but all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. If we are not in Christ, God does not give audience to our prayers. You need to be in Christ and you do that through baptism. That's Romans 6. We talked about it in Bible class this morning, but Romans 6, 3 through 5, talks about being buried with him in baptism, so that in a likeness of his death and resurrection, we are raised up with him anew, to walk as a new creature, a babe in Christ. We're reborn in Jesus. Then we have that access to God the Father in prayer through Jesus. If you have done those things, but you have fallen away, you've let sin come back into your life, you have not walked the path that you need to walk. We will pray with you and for you for forgiveness of those things if you are repenting of that sin. And then you can regain that access to the Father and those spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. And you can go to God the Father and look for that comfort that's found in prayer. I think that all of us can work on our prayer life. I think 
I know that I, I certainly can, and, and I don't think you'll ever get to the point in your life where you're like, well, I've got that solved, right? I'm, I never need to improve my prayer life. There's always room for improvement there. But if you have fallen away, we would encourage you to make that right. If either one of those is, is the case for you this morning, please don't go away lost. Make it known as we stand and, and as we sing.